Hey team, welcome to the off-season. The off-season is an exploration of athletic health, recovery, and performance told through stories of athletes and their medical and training team. I hope you enjoy. Now for a quick but mandatory medical disclaimer. This podcast is for general informational purposes only and does not constitute the practice of naturopathic medicine or other professional healthcare services, including the giving of medical advice. No doctor-patient relationship is formed. Use of this material is at user's own risk. Listeners should not disregard or delay in obtaining medical advice for any medical conditions they may have and should seek assistance from their trusted healthcare professional for any condition. This podcast does not speak on behalf of naturopathic medicine and does not represent the views of the profession as a whole. Another episode of the off-season coming at you guys. This one is with Connor Carrick, a defenseman for the New Jersey Devils. And we chat everything from coffee to recovery and anything in between. So Connor's really up for trying the newest, latest, greatest stuff out there. And we talk about supplements. We talk about um, some cool tools that he uses for recovery. And also about his podcast, The Curious Competitor. We jam-pack a lot in this episode and I absolutely loved talking to him. So I hope you guys enjoy this one. Hey, Connor, welcome to the off-season. Thank you for having me. Let's jam. Let's do it. Yeah, I'm so stoked to have you on here. Like, recent uh, intro through Designs for Sport, and they're like, you got to check this guy out. He's doing all the cool stuff. So why don't you give, like, a little bit of background for our listeners? I'm sure most of them know who you are, but it's always helpful to hear from the source, right? So I am Connor Carrick. I'm a defenseman uh, with New Jersey Devils. Uh, Part-time podcast right now. I have the Curious Competitor podcast where I I talk over there. And I've always been, I guess, just that. I'm curious to learn. I am always hopeful that I haven't learned everything there is yet to know and that there's still a lot uh, in the way of performance. There's a, there's plenty of marginal gains still to be had. Um, and that's where I'm at after 200 NHL games, you know, a couple surgeries getting traded a couple times. I've, I've uh, this game's given me a lot. And at that point, I'm ready for what's next for me and I'm planning a big year coming up. I love it. That sounds super exciting. Um, yeah. So like I've just been watching your social media and listening to some of your podcasts and stuff. And it seems like you're kind of, you know, we were just talking about this, but a little bit ahead of the game and kind of what's coming down the line in health and wellness. So how did you get into this space or how did you start kind of manipulating things to see how they impacted your performance? I'm a player that has to. You know, I think uh, even in your clientele base, I'm sure you've had the player or the person that comes in and their diet's not great. They sleep six, seven hours a night. You know, they drink maybe more than they should. They're going out for fast food, but they're still studs in their respective sport. Um, I have been an elite player at a lot of levels I've played at uh, right out of the gate, but the NHL wasn't one of them. And so I learned very early on, like, you know, I'd, I'd go to, dinner with the guys and and maybe you know guys were drinking they'd have you know two beers four beers six beers and then we'd all practice the next day and he looks fine and I did not and so I learned very early on that this was a competitive edge that I found it because I had to and then I just became so passionate about it and the question is always what if right and this is I'm sure a conversation with you and a lot of your clientele that say that says that comes to you and says I, I don't want to change that I'm high performing as it is Okay, pause, period. Maybe the right question is, though, can we imagine how much better you might be if you'd look into this? And really, there were a couple players that I really looked up to. Like Duncan Keith was notorious around the city of Chicago for just being a nut about his training and his nutrition. He was a player that I really looked up to. And what I figured out was 
no player that had ever really committed themselves to training harder, training smarter, eating cleaner had tried it and said, nah, that doesn't work. That's not for me. Hmm. And so that's where I, it really piqued my interest. Yeah, that's so sweet. And like to the younger guys and girls that I usually speak with, like you get them all to kind of sit down and say like, what's the difference between you guys? You guys can all skate. You guys can all, you know, play with the puck score. Like what sets this guy apart from making it and not this guy. And it seems to be like a little bit of a hit home for them to say like, oh, well, this guy's taking care of his nutrition. He's sleeping well. He's, you know, doing what coach asks, keep it on, keep it on target for like body comp and stuff like that. So really now in the game and the speed of the game, it seems to be those things that are like the things that are going to make it or not. Hey. Well, and part of the question is when I come to the rink every day, am I trying to get better? Well, yeah. But the, the true challenge is, can I be the best I can be? Can I be the best version of myself? And that is how you get better. Um, and frankly, there's really two, I guess there's a spectrum, but there's really two overwhelming mindsets when you're lacing them up that day and you're doing your energy check, you're doing a gut check, you're getting on the ice during warmups. And in an NHL schedule where you're playing, you know, close to a hundred games a year in a normal season anyway, you're either thinking I've got the juice tonight and you're, you're, you're popping through warmups and, and you're cycling the legs and they just feel like, like pistons are just churning or there's a conversation around I'm flat and you're looking, you're searching the whole ring for answers. And, uh, you know, at this point, you know, nervous system wise, uh, nutritionally, by the time you feel depleted, you're already so far set back from feeling optimal again. Like it, there's such a, an exorbitant amount of resource that need to go into the recovery process at that point that the ship sailed. You know, because by that time you're you're playing again the next night. Then you're traveling. Then you're playing late. Maybe you got hit, and there's a a micro injury you got to recover from. These are all stressors that, if you're not doing everything you can, if you're not controlling everything you can, the things that you cannot control will eat you alive. Yeah, definitely. That's like such a good lesson for the guys coming up, and in the guys in the league too. And I think um, even as you were saying, like that transition into eating healthier and stuff like that, a lot of the guys might say, "Well, what's it going to do for me right now?" But I think the goal for anyone in the league or getting into the league would be longevity, like the career elongation that we can get out of these performance enhancers. Hey. Well, yeah. What I think is cool about it is you want to play as long as you can. And you want your peak to be as high as it can be. And, and you don't know when your prime year is going to be. So you just, you stack the deck every year the best you can. So for example, I like come in training camp last year, I felt good. I thought I was going to have a big year. Well, I had surgery, you know, just about right when the season happened, you know, so it's not all of a sudden like that I can go on the shelf for four weeks and say, okay, now I'm going to eat good because I know I'm hurt and I have to rehab my body. Uh, you're already dealing with chronic inflammation if you're in that situation. You're already dealing with uh, poor eating habits that now all of a sudden you're going to turn the ship around and, and, and try and implement this, this new you overnight. Like that's not how habits are built. And frankly, whenever I talk to friends and teammates, particularly at the NHL level, it's a lot of it is, hey, we're all in this together. The better you are tonight you know, the better I can be, the easier my job is, you know, so there's a, a little bit of a team effect or, you know, uh, rising seas, you know, whatever it is, raise all boats, whatever the saying is. I always like the joke too with younger players that are listening to me is I hope you don't implement this stuff. 
because I will. And that's just the competitive advantage that I'm looking forward to. And by the way, today we're podcasting about, you know, nutrition and, and sleep and that kind of thing. That's already in my bucket of habits. So I'm able to look beyond that now. You know, what is it in my training elsewhere that I can look at? What, um, you know, video work can I do with the extra energy that when you got to take a nap in the afternoon because you're zonked or nothing against naps. I, I'm all for team naps. But um, it, I encourage younger players to ignore uh, opportunities to get better because that's what keeps me in the league longer. <laughs> yeah, that's a great point and a good kind of competitive edge you have there for sure. Um, what was like the turning point for you? So you saw that you needed to do some of the extras to kind of make the league and stay in the game. But was there like a, yeah, like a TSN turning point where you're like, ah, this is the stuff I have to start focusing on and getting into. Um, and how did you start to like seek out people to kind of influence those changes? I was lucky. I, I played in Toronto as a Toronto Maple Leaf and Toronto is a bit of a Mecca, you know, for uh, osteopaths and functional medicine doctors and high-end chiropractors, you know, with, with different backgrounds. And, and I was able to meet some really cool people. We just had a real studious group, a real curious group. And there were some veterans on the team that, you know, were already doing this kind of thing. Um, I met Ian Mack, who's the strength coach that I work with, with Tomahawk Science. He's outstanding. Uh, another cool Instagram follower or person even for you to talk to for the, for the podcast. He's awesome. He turned me on to Sam Gibbs out of Toronto, works with Team Canada Basketball. He's a legend. Uh, I think he's got his master's in endocrinology. He runs a lot of the sports science stuff with Team Canada Basketball. He's, he's brilliant. Um, so those were some of the main people that that really helped me get uh you know looking in the right direction and building the proper habits and also there's this side of me where i do all of this for elite athletic performance sure but i also just like having energy i don't like being flat i like being talkative you know uh you know even earlier on quarantine one of the things i was talking with my functional medicine doc was you know around 4 or 5 p.m i struggle with this brain fog and today i actually feel much clearer and i can remember doing podcasts kind of losing my train of thought and thinking all right where are we at and and, and it, it's been a positive experience so you kind of bookmark these things of, of I guess these signs of progress but I also had a couple coaches that had played the National Hockey League at a young age that had gone on to not exactly become beacons of health after their career I saw a lot of alcohol I saw a lot of concussion problems I saw weight issues and I just thought to myself, that will not be me. Um, and, and I have you know, all the time in the world for you know, whatever they're going through. I don't know the whole story. And I'm there for those coaches even today if they want to call me up as a resource uh, to get going in the right direction. But I viewed this as, wow, how cool that I get to have a hobby that just happens to be so supportive of my athletic goals, you know? Uh, like for example, I actually don't drink it often, but I'm a huge, I love the story of wine, like where wine comes from, what, what the, you know, the vineyards are doing, the different types. And my joke is I'm also super into coffee and people are always like, well, why are you so into coffee? Well, the same reason I'm into wine, but you can't drink wine every day as an athlete. <laughs> so, Fair. Yeah. Like, no, that's smart. This, yeah. You know, so here you have this, this hobby that, you know, it's, uh, it coincides with sport. It's not the end all be all. I don't just do it for hockey. Like I'm a human first. I mean, this, my health habits will last me long after my career is over. 
I see that you're really into coffee. What is this brand that you're drinking? It looks delicious. Yeah, they, uh, I, I've been joking. It's sponsored and proud. So I was bugging them to pay me forever to talk as positively about their product as I do, but I'm really, I'm really proud of it. It's uh, purity coffee. It's organic as can be. Uh, that's the official uh, Connor Care stamp. <laughs> stamp. It's, it's organic as can be. It's USD organic. Uh, the antioxidant content is super high. I forget which one. There's one, I want to say it's like CGA. That's particularly uh, has, a, has a good effect on uh, blood sugar levels, which is something that sometimes in the, in the past I've found I can struggle with. Uh, and they also have a decaf that's super clean in terms of like the Swiss water processing of that. So my wife being pregnant, she wants to watch her caffeine intake. You know, she can drink that and, and feel comfortable that it's, you know, pesticide free and all that, but still uh, tastes good and, and that kind of thing. That, that started with uh, really the Toronto Maple Leaf trainers. They were big boutique coffee drinkers. And I was still in my infantry where I was, you know, jammed with Keurig and things like that. And so I've, I've left that far behind and, and I've just, you know, similar to anything else, I've, I've built up a, a strong routine habit by habit uh, over the course of time. Yeah. And it's crazy to me, like our daily habits are essentially what makes us right. And coffee is like one of the most heavily sprayed crops manageable out Thank there. You. Right. It's, so it's just like blows my mind that these things that we do on a habitual day in and day process, like water and coffee. And like, if you could not pick the purest form of it, the most delicious coffee, why would you not do that? Like Timmy's runs are and keeping people and alive. It's not expensive, and it's not that expensive. And yeah. you know, it's funny. I, uh, I get made fun of a lot for my, there's a podcast actually with the guys from uh, Black Rifle Coffee with Joe Rogan. Yeah, I've listened the guys to from Black. You've listened to this. Yeah. And the guy's getting a bunch of crap about, you know, his fancy coffee. Well, that's me in an NHL locker room. I'm getting a bunch yeah. of crap for my, you know, boutique coffee. And usually what I'll do is I'll promise a guy if, if, you know, we've been hanging out in the hot tub before practice, I'll say, Hey, Matt Martin, uh, I know that coffee shop you've been going to. You like it, right? Yeah. That stuff's unbelievable. Promise you skip it tomorrow. I'll bring you a cup. That's just as good. <laughs> And then he's, he's looking at me, he's like, this stuff's unbelievable. Um, so usually everyone just got to try it. I actually got a call from my uncle because I was doing a, like a charity uh, giveaway to frontline workers with purity, and, which was cool because they sent me these boxes. They're like, we're gonna send, here's what we're going to do. We're going to send you a box of coffee and you're going to bring it to frontline workers, firehouses, hospitals, you know, whatever, uh, food banks. I said, no problem. They sent me a box. They were like 40 pound boxes. They were they were huge and they were, they were brutally hard to like carry up. I live on the third floor in Chicago. It's like I had to carry them down in the morning with like my hockey bag when I was doing a drop that day. So anyway, I gave some to my cousin who's a fireman, gave some to his dad, which would be my uncle. And he would be like person number one to give me a bunch of crap, you know, after a round of golf together for, you know, this fancy coffee I'm drinking. Well, I didn't know. He said for like 20 years, coffee had always given issues. I didn't go into what issues were. I'm assuming digestive or jittery. Uh, and he's like, you know, my son, Brendan, the fireman that I gave the purity coffee to, he's like, I tried it and I'm, I'm having no issues overnight from like one cup. He's like, can I, can I get more? And I'm like, Hey, for giving me all that crap, uh, I'll give you a discount code, but you can, you can buy it yourself. So, and that, that uh, Ben Greenfield, you know, who's kind of fitness nerd, you know, number one, uh, I, I believe that they sourced his brand with Keon. That's how I'd originally found him. Oh, okay. And so, you know, I tried it and I said, uh, you know, I want to, I want to bring this to people. And especially with my wife being pregnant, like she's very conscious of glyphosate and pesticides. You know, we're from the Midwest, so we're from the land of heavily, you know, 
sprayed crops. So we try to avoid it the best we can. Yeah, that's awesome. And congrats, obviously, on the baby. Um, you're going to have the New Jersey Devils like locker room with the, what did you say on uh, Black Rifle that he spent like some, some obscene amount of the budget on uh, a coffee maker when they were. I'm going to get there. So we have a sick, um, we have a sick uh, like coffee espresso machine. But whoever's doing the, the bean ordering, like I got to talk to, it's just like gasoline. Like it's, it's, <laughs> it's not good. It's not balanced. It's, you know, pure acid coming out of there. It tastes like, um, so I'm going to have to talk to the, whoever does the wholesaling with, with purity and get them a, a team account. Uh, because for the love of God, I, like, I just, I can't drink the stuff at the rank. I have to bring my own. So once, Definitely, the, once, that's the, like a once the management or the coaches, the coaches try it, it'll be, they'll order it. No problem. They'll just, <laughs> it, but, so. you're just working up the ranks. The we already have the big one. So I love it, make, man. Uh, the environment better the best I can. What else do you do kind of on a daily basis to keep your health as functional as possible? So I, I am working with uh, the designs for sport guys and I'm super excited about that. So they'll be, you know, top to bottom um, my supplement line. Like I'm going to use all their products uh, from multi to fish oil, you know, to their paleo protein. I'm a big fan of the collagen. So that's, let's start there. So in the morning I'll do water uh, we have a Berkey filter at home, so I'll use that filter. Uh, sea salt. I'm a heavy sweater as it is, so I'm always trying to add more salt, and I just like the flavor on everything. Squeeze a lemon. Um, I'm not exactly super well scripted on all of the why. I remember what's good for me, and the why is something I'm learning on. And my, I'm trying to take on some of the education, but it's tough. Like biochemistry, is, I commend you. That stuff's not easy. <laughs> not easy. So yeah. I'm trying to sit down with it and, and start to take some courses. Um, I'll do the, uh, what is it? The hydrogen water tablets. I got those going. Then I'll make a big smoothie with, uh, I got broccoli sprouts. I've got collagen in there, a bunch of adaptogens, uh, chaga, reishi, cordyceps. Um, what else do I got in there? I don't know, we'll skip that. And then I'll do a bunch of spirulina. I take these like little energy bits or call. I take like 30 or 60 of them, depending on what my training day is uh like six pills of fish oil eight thousand i think i use a d3 i use the dropper with the k2 um then i'll do like six ounces i got this paleo uh ground beef that i'll just uh, i'll make pounds of it on sunday you know so it should last me through usually wednesday and i make another batch i do six ounces it's like grass-fed beef heart liver i think there's kidney in there uh a little bit extra virgin olive oil or uh, duck fat sea salt i'll go to the rink uh usually do like my intro workout shake which is uh like a carb complex uh beta alanine uh two scoops of essential amino acids and i'll do that i'll double that if i have a workout and a skate right after which is most days you know right now especially in the off season i'm not a huge shake guy so i'll do the ground beef meal that i did for breakfast again it sort of is like lunch number one lunch number two i'll drop the uh, fat content you know, down from around 40, 35 grams down to 20. I'll try and get in, I don't know, like, I think I'm on 90-ish carbs right now and 40 grams of protein with that third meal. And the fourth meal looks similar. And then uh, after dinner, I'll try to have the same smoothie I had in the morning, uh, but with some berries in there, some some mixed berries, try and get 20 grams of carb from the berry source. Um, cinnamon goes in there too. 
And that's most days. I am a little bit more human than that robot, robotic schedule. I, <laughs> I was going to say, you got it dialed in, man. I love it. I, you know, well, I've, I've worked on it. And, and it, I, this was not, I want to anybody that's listening, wherever you are on this process, like to have a salad for lunch used to give me a full-blown anxiety complex. Like it was, it was punishment. Uh, that's the way I used to diet. Like I used to, I was in a place mentally where I would literally, every player, I'm sure you get this, they say one thing for sure about training camp. They want to show up and, and kill the body comp test. Well, I'll tell you what, after those calipers leave your body, no one cares about your body fat. All they care about is how you play. You know, so uh, when I was younger, like I would try to literally the whole month of August getting ready for training camp, I would go to dinner. And what I knew was if the food was really, really good, I would eat a lot of it. So I would purposely like order things that I didn't like. <laughs> <laughs> like, I'm just gonna, cause I, I'm like, I don't, I, I eat salmon. I kind of like it. It's fine. Uh, I don't love it. I don't love it. Like I like, you know, red meat. So if I just order the salmon, I'll stop after six ounces. And like, that's not a healthy relationship with food. That's not. No way. And, and what I find is this sense of structure when I can nail it gives me the freedom when, you know, my wife says, Hey, I want to go out for, you know, I got a taste for fried rice tonight. Can we can we make it at home or go out? Yeah, no problem. I want to do sushi tonight. All right, no problem. Um, and, it, and it allows me to be more human elsewhere, you know, when when time arrives. Yeah, I love that. That's so smart. And I think like you mentioning the body comp for the younger players is absolutely massive or even like any coaches listening to you because, you know, they sometimes grow up on old habits and like things get grandfathered in and stuff like that. So, you know, I've heard of some coaches telling the kids in the queue and stuff that they'd have to have, you know, under a certain level of body fat, but the body fat they're suggesting like starts to impede hormone function and stuff like that too. So like we're really getting into performance um, dysfunction there as well. So I think it's just really good to start having these conversations and I'm super appreciative that you're so open with information because, you know, it's getting a little crazy out there. And for the boys, if there's one differentiation, if it does come down to body fat, like I would never want that to be the case. And I think it's just a lack of education that would take someone there, you know? Well, no, I think that's the advice there, you have to be accountable at some point. And, and there's a difference where, and, and the, the player and really yourself have to have that conversation around, okay, we know you do want to be lean. You don't want to be, you know, overweight necessarily, but hormonally we do want to be healthy and, and beastly and able to come into a season. I was a player, give you an example. I'm 5'10", almost 200 pounds. I'm a, I'm a thick guy. I'm strong. Um, I'm, a, I'm a powerful athlete. I have had periods of my career where I've undereaten to try to get down to 7%. For no reason. I never came in over like eight and a half, but for me to go from eight and a half to seven and even lower, I've gotten down to the sixes took serious discipline and effort. And, and frankly, it was detrimental to my play. Um, so as a player, you know, if you are having that conversation with your coach or with yourself, it really comes down to you. You can have the confidence to look your coach in the eye and say, Hey, I appreciate your feedback. I know you have, you know, maybe my best interest or at least definitely the team's best interest at heart. And given that, trust me, when the puck drops tomorrow, you're going to like the player you see. Yeah, that's and huge. You, and you got to mean that. And, and because I've played with players, like, you know, uh, I played with Alex Ovechkin. He, he's a monster. 
He's a monster to handle. He's, he's 6'2", 245. Uh, could he be leaner? Maybe. Would it help his game? I don't know. I know 31 teams that want him on their, on their club. Like, at the end of the day, and I had this realization, do I want to be a, a no-good Hugo Boss model, or do I want to be an elite NHL hockey player? Right. Because here's what I know. The NHL has, has deemed me good enough and, and they're interested in me providing services and, and being a player in their league, for, you know, for whatever team I'm, I'm blessed to play for. I haven't gotten any calls for modeling. You know, I'm, I'm leaning <laughs> yet and that, that kind of thing, but you know, it's going to take some serious life changes uh, to become that. And, and even I would, I would extend this even to the weight lifting and the training. I think it has a, it has a purpose for sure. Um, I think most, uh, you know, strength coaches do believe in, in what they can do for players. And, and I do think it can be a, a great asset for a lot of players. But at the end of the day, hockey is a very skilled game. And, and you do have to take, partake, you know, partake in, in training the particular skill specifically. Um, any player out there, I guess, that would be overly confident in what training is going to do to their game, like, and, and getting obsessed with, with numbers, for example, because I was that player. Right? I wanted my back squat to go up, and I wanted my clean to go up. I get it. Go after it. Be competitive. Uh, but at the end of the day, the, the chances are you're just going to be a poor CrossFit athlete at, at your very best. Yeah, so definitely. It's, it's got to serve this vehicle that is hockey because that is what you are elite at, assuming you're elite at. Um, you know, but I've, I've been that player where – I'm, I'm competing over everything and I get it. I'm competitive. I want to win and, and other guys do too. Uh, but let's, what's most important is the game. Is it serving your game? Yeah. And I think, well, I watched that consistency clip you had on there on YouTube and you speak to that very well, I feel. And just really highlighting, like you did, you know, the functional training that needed that you needed to improve your performance. And I think a lot of us, um, especially the guys like without great strength and conditioning coaches kind of just go in there. And as you said, try to max out deadlift, but like, where's the transfer, you know, you're looking for explosive speed as, as yourself for a defenseman or like, again, the whole game of hockey is explosive speed. So, you know, doing things intentionally around the deadlift to improve that is, is huge. Right. Yeah, absolutely. And then I think it also, it's a complex conversation, right? Where, okay, where can weightlifting serve a player's hormonal health? You know, so mm -hmm. we can have a more robust athlete come season. And it's just about having a dynamic conversation around training, not dogmatic. I think yeah. a lot of times the skill coach will wrap their arm around a player and say, uh, avoid the weight room like the plague. You can't score from a bench press. Uh, leave that alone. Okay. I don't necessarily believe that. And then the weight room coach says, you know, come around, uh, you know, with me and, and I can, I can take in places you've never been. And, and, and then, you know, you have the figure skin. Like at the end of the day, as a player, you are the one that has to put this Rubik's cube together, put your, yeah. your NASCAR pit crew together, get everyone on the same page about what your goals are, uh, open the lines of communication. And you, and then it's up to you as a player, put in the work put in the work and, and watch your results, you know, blow the competition away. Definitely. I, yeah. I always feel kind of, my heart goes out to a lot of athletes too. And there's so much information out there in terms of nutrition and, you know, supplementation and, and different techniques for strength training. And how do you like build the confidence to be like, will I still know best for my body? I consulted 
people that had worked with many elite athletes. And I also looked under the hood. I did some you know, genetic testing and functional medicine testing to kind of check on what was going on. I do the ultimate test every day. When I get on the ice, how do I feel? What's going on with my body? I understand what training does to the nervous system. So for example, I had a conversation. I was doing a triphasic training, which is popular with Cal Deeds at the University of Minnesota. He had a couple of guys, uh, Ben Peterson, uh, who I think is with the San Francisco 49ers now, and Kevin Ziegler, who's the head of strength with Octagon. Um, and I had a conversation. I'm like, oh, I just feel so dead on the ice. Like Zeke's, uh, Kevin was the guy I was talking to. Zeke's like, what's going on with my game? And he's like, Connor, you just you have to respect the process you're going through off the ice right now. But on the other side of this, when we when we take off so much of the stress, you're gonna be really happy with the quality of player you are. So it's a it's a little bit of a balance where you've got to have faith in the process, trust in your strength coach, um, and in my opinion, you've also got to maintain. There's one golden rule that governs all of this, which is don't make the big mistake. Don't get seriously hurt doing something, period. If that's a, a, a skate, a summer skate uh, you don't feel comfortable with, you know, where maybe your conditioning is not up to par yet, you're early on the ice and a coach is asking you to do something. I've done this where I skated with a coach. It was the first time I'd been out there uh, since the previous season. We were doing like these single leg jumps. I said, hey, I appreciate it. Have a good rest of your skate. I'm out because I my body was in no position uh, to be doing this at this time. And I think that if you cannot get hurt and you can pay really close attention to what's worked for other players, you can learn a lot about yourself and and what's going to work for you uh, moving forward. Very similar to you know the Jordan documentary, right? The Last Dance. There's a lot of great information in there. You know, Michael Jordan wasn't reinventing the wheel. He was trying to move functionally. He did some weightlifting, you know, to create some robustness. Was just, when he was getting smacked around by the Detroit Pistons, he had a deep affinity for skill work. He had no shortage of, of uh, competitive reps preseason. We saw with the NFL with the lack of camp, how many guys got hurt. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you, you need to have some of those bumps and bruises before the season starts. So it's a, it's a blend. Know what the difference is between working really, really hard and what actual rest and recovery is and do both of those things and just rinse, repeat. Yeah, it's huge. And some of the higher level guys that we talk to here, it's, they really speak about this like mid season burnout after X amount of games, how much it crushes you with the travel and, you know, trying to maintain relationships and all that sort of stuff too. What is your experience with that? Do you have like some secret techniques that you use mid season to keep you going? Well, we know recovery or depletion is, uh, done marginally right it's going to happen slowly over time and i think that ideally you have to have a life away from the rink so you can turn off mentally i think mental fatigue and, and variety is a spice of life so avoid the mental fatigue by indulging in uh different hobbies by taking care of you know so for me meditation in the morning is my coffee i, I enjoy it i love it from time to time i'll get a new boutique grocer you know we're on the road i get excited about that um now i have the podcast you know during uh i'm hoping during times of of strife during the during the year you know you check in with an awesome podcast guest and you can rejuvenate that way like i had a podcast uh with the ceo of trx who's an ex navy seal commander and stanford 
you mean to tell me that you're not fired up after talking for an hour with this guy? Like, yeah, I was ready to run through a wall after talking to this, you know, monster of a man. Uh, Randy Hetrick was his name. Uh, those are a couple different ways. And then I think that ideally you can have what I like to call like super days. So we all have those games where you played a ton, you just expend so much. Can you rejuvenate the same way? Can you go lay in bed and sleep for nine hours and lay in bed for 11? Can you have a super recovery day? Um, can you just all day long the best you can make sure you're uh, drinking the an exorbitant amount of water to, you know, try and fight off some of those uh, dehydration effects that, you know, can come up over the course of the year? Do you have access to an infrared sauna, you know, stimulate mitochondrial function, that kind of thing? And I want to say, you know, just sit in your house and biohack all day. Um, but it's something that I like to do, frankly. Um, yeah, we know the science. Yeah, it works, right? Like there's a lot of benefit to a lot of these things and, and they're not, you know, always bank breaking interventions either. Like there's a no. few things that you can do that will really change the game for a lot of people. And, you know, you spoke about adaptogens and all that sort of stuff. And even the functional medicine testing, like did anything revolutionary come out for you from testing some stuff? Yeah, I did the genomics. I think it's Utrient is the name of the company with Dr. Mm -hmm. uh, Monster Muhammad. That one was super enlightening. Um, learned a couple things like nervous system wise, just about my system, whether I was, you know, more sympathetic driven or more parasympathetic and what those sort of things meant. Uh, learned what recovery techniques might work for me personally. So for example, uh, I'm a little bit more parasympathetic driven. And one of the things that came out was uh, like consistent stimulation all day long is draining for my system. Well, in the real world, what this looked like was we live in, you know, Jersey, I live in Hoboken, New York City is right across the pond. And so one day, uh, two years ago now, we went over to uh, New York City and it was just planes, trains, automobiles, flashing lights, walking all day long, like gawkers fatigue from, from looking around, trying to capture every sight, sound, smell, whatever. And uh, I felt the next day like I was hungover. Like I felt like someone had beat me up in my sleep. And it was just something that, yeah, I mean, ideally I'd love to go walk around Manhattan, you know, for a full day, but just decided that if it comes down to it mid-season, that's not the time for it. Um, so you just, you learn some things about yourself. And then I think just the, how crazy it is, you can take these different snapshots, how different the body can look over the course of time. Uh, you know, so I do some routine blood work, that kind of thing, like a NutraVal, uh, that'll give me an idea of like amino acid absorption. And I, I want to make sure I'm getting the test right. I think it's NutraVal that does this. Um, you know, so my mineral levels, my uh, vitamin levels, ideally if we can get a snapshot of the gut and see what my, you know, gut flora looks like, uh, that would be great too. I did that recently. Um, and you hope to see some, some changes the next time I test. It's an investment, but it uh, it's also kind of fun. I, I think it's kind of geeky to to know what's under the hood. Definitely, I nerd out on that so much, and like 
if we're looking at performance optimization, right? Like what are those little tiny things that we can look at to really, you know, bring your game around or, or be the thing mid season that like gets you through that burnout a little bit better. And gut health is, seems to be just like this massive, massive one. And so many athletes at the higher level, even the lower levels, the kids are struggling with whether it just be like food choices that are horrible to begin with, or um, just like a lot of dysfunction that's happening in the gut, whether it be pre-game or post-game or just in general. Um, And I would always say to them, like, let's, let's get a look. Like it is extremely expensive for these functional medicine tests. And like, not everyone obviously is, has access to them, but if it's possible, like it just gives us so much information, right? Well, and, and one of the, you know, cheaper access uh, points that I did recently was, and, and I'm trying a third time, I was able to get through like six days of information, but a blood glucose monitor, which I don't mm-hmm. think is real pricey. My insurance covers it because uh, my doctor ordered it. And, you know, you can gain some pretty cool information uh, there in terms of, you know, where you're at in range and what your you know, blood sugar is doing over the course of a day. And um, there are things you can do that are cheaper. You can go through just sort of the, the guess and check, you know, trial process um, that could take a little bit longer, you know, for you to know what's up. I have one. I'm, I'm, you know, kind of struggling with. So for example, I use an aura ring to, to gauge my sleep every day. And uh, I've noticed more than even what I eat, when I eat is so vitally important for my ability to get down and, and get some of that deep sleep and that REM. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to think of what are ways that I could, for example, mid-season you, you you play a game you play in pittsburgh on a friday night and you're going to fly to boston and play saturday night well you're going to eat at 10 o'clock at night because you got to eat post game you know what are some techniques that you could do or use to try to foster the best source of sleep that you could that night yeah there's so many on that respect and like i've been doing the same thing i've been tracking uh, my aura ring too and like rem sleep is 14 minutes or like 22 minutes. And then I'm like, I have to fix this, right? It's just so dysfunctional. Um, so I've been throwing in some different things, but I mean like blue light blocking glasses or staying away from screen time is obviously yeah. a huge one for digestive properties. Like what seems to be really beneficial is trying to get into that parasympathetic state before you eat. So if you're kind of traveling and like on the plane and stuff like that, and everything's a little bit busy or jammed from there just doing a quick breath work to calm the nervous system down to really functionally like absorb that food as well um and then some breath work before bed seems to be pretty huge for a lot of people to calm down the nervous system again it's it's really about you know calming down that nervous system um and then like do you do any like bed supplementation or do you take anything for specifically sleep you know i i do take melatonin i gotta reorder uh i mentioned i'm trying to look into uh, more CBD products and things like that. You know, the NHL a little testy with the, you know, THC and things like that. So you just want to make sure that it's the right product. And I don't think technically any of them are NSF yet, which is kind of our certification, but I do understand that that's somewhere uh, I was trying to learn more on. I think the league is trying to get, because they, they know too, like they know players have sleeping issues. Like mm-hmm. they know, you know, guys will look to, drugs or alcohol if they're not going to get down because what they're not going to do is just sit there and count the ceiling fan you know how many times it twirls at night like guys <laughs> yeah. they're, they're going to stress out so they're going to do something so i think you know the league and the players have a vested interest in there to, to figure some things out i'll do uh magnesium I which think I type is glycinate and i have theranate, mm-hmm. nice. theranate. yeah yeah theranate seems to best. be 
Theronate for sure. Um, it seems Theronate, to be the only yeah. one in research that like crosses that blood brain barrier. So for that, like, I guess it all depends on like if it's sleep latency is the issue or actually staying asleep. So, and then you were kind of talking specific to food. So that's where I'm like, so excited for that functional medicine supplementation realm to start to blend with athletics a little bit more. And I, I like, I'm hanging so much hope for designs for sport because there's, you know, specific supplements that you can take that will help blood sugar regulation in the evening time. If you do have more carbs and stuff like that, that would, you know. Yeah. Like some of their enzymatic. Uh, yeah for, yeah i was equally as excited about that because i am someone that you know based off the genomic test it came back that i was a little bit carb sensitive and there was a conversation even around in season a cyclical ketogenic diet as low mm -hmm. as 25 grams of carbon a day for someone like myself which is as you know that's extremely low like it you're is. looking at you're looking at kale like uh that's got too much carbon for me like it's, yeah. you really got to be tight um and uh, so I'm really excited about some of those products. And I think I got to learn more about exactly, like I said, the biochemistry. I just haven't done my homework. I'm more interested uh, in the what for now than the why, but I, I do like to ask why. I've been really impressed with, and, and I guess we can pump them as much as we want, but Jordan Boxer is the guy who brought me on. And I've been really impressed with his excitement for the product, for sure. The, the quality they've thrown in every product, as far as I know, and the, and the dosage and making sure it's research backed and that kind of thing. Uh, but I think he, I've really been impressed by the whole aura of understanding where supplementation fits and how we also need to educate on, like I can give you all the supplements in the world. If your body is sympathetic while you're eating, there's in, in a stress state, it's not going to absorb, nothing's bioavailable any longer. Yeah. Um, so I'm excited and I'm hoping to, uh, you know, as soon as I get their NSF products, get my hands on them and, really be able to give some real life testimonials but up to now I've been you know super proud of uh what they presented me with yeah and I've used their you know regular line forever and obviously I'm at a halt when I come to work with like professional athletes because it just doesn't have that labeling on it yet to give me the go-ahead but um the functionality of the products just makes so much sense to me and and specific to sleep too like that's one of the biggest things that I run into with guys is is dysfunctional sleep and for like uh, inability to fall asleep you're right on the mark with the magnesium and stuff like that and then um i'm not sure if it's in their first line that's coming out yet but there's one um neurocom i think it is and like it's just worked wonders for people to shut down their brain at night if they kind of had that mm. hamster wheel of thoughts and then the other thing i run into with a lot of athletes too is that like two or three a.m wake up like as if it's time to start their day. And that's like that cortisol awakening response that's kind of happening too early. Um, and I'm always looking for like a NSF certified super low dose melatonin. That seems to be a game changer just to take like a little bit at that time to get that. Yeah. Cause the opposite of cortisol is melatonin. Right. So just keep them. Sleeping. Yeah. I would, I would, I would look into that. I normally don't have a huge issue. Once I get down, I stay asleep pretty good. The depth of sleep I think is something that, you know, we're all interested in, right? We want to sleep like Wolverine and just wake up a, a new monster. Yeah. Um, and I think that what excites me about supplementation and sleep in particular is to me, I'm also just enough, uh, I have just enough of an awareness of like soil depletion and what our food is lacking now. Mm -hmm. It's scary. I think it's a big issue that, you know, it's not a world that I live in where I'm trying to control that. Um, but just in my mind, what I know is, as a, is a, as a pro athlete, the demands on my body are superhuman. 
which means like by definition, I need to supplement my lifestyle uh, and, and achieve super results. And so what that means for me is I need to absolutely eat everything that's positive for me for sure. Top off some of those levels where I'm going into severe depletion, uh, that kind of thing. And then the best I know, like I cannot, I think the sleep for me is the biggest um, thing that I'm after because I think all the magic in terms of recovery and nervous system uh, recovery and even skill acquisition, like that's where that happens. It doesn't necessarily happen exactly during your reps and play and things like that. Mm-hmm. And I did have one streak in my career in particular that I can remember. I was a uh, Toronto Marley at the time. I just got traded to Leafs. And I had just read this book. I think it was like sleep to win or something. And it was talking about nine hours and 15 minutes being like the golden mark. And I think I hit it just about every night. And that was for me, the best I'd ever felt in my career. The travel wasn't crazy uh, with the series and things like that. It was pretty simple. Um, You know, same time zone and all that, as far as we went in the Eastern conference finals. Uh, But I had like led the whole American league and, playoff scoring as a defenseman and like we didn't even make the final and I could remember that like I was getting to bed at gosh nine nine thirty and you know nine and a half ten hours later was my you know goal wake up time and I felt like I I felt like I was cheating like I just woke up every day unbelievable and, and you know so my goal is to bring that both into my family life it's just a little bit different you know when you got uh, you know wife and dog and you know, maybe uh, we want to watch a show and that kind of thing, but making that sleep a priority and a staple in our family life has been um, kind of where I'm focusing most of my stuff now mentally. Definitely. And there's so many like tiny little things that, you know, as I talk to more and more patients every single day that kind of blow my mind. And, And sometimes I'm just like trying them to see what will happen. But like one huge game changer for a lot of people is getting two separate comforters. So like every time one or the other pulls, you're not woken up by that or not like getting frustrated by that. Um, And then like another one for like really bad snores or something that is like, you know, do your nighttime cuddle or whatever, and then literally go into a different room that you can sleep in. Because, you know, for me, sleep is the highest priority ever. So um, if that's possible to do kind of like doing some of those things and then, um, yeah, like it's a little bit tough too with all of this tech that we have, but I definitely have been trying to like really do that self-assessment before I look at the stats on the aura ring too, to say like, how did I sleep? Like, does it really feel bad? Does it really feel like I only got, you know, X amount of REM sleep? Um, and then checking it. Cause I think sometimes too, technology can kind of take over and make us feel some sort of way. Right. That's beautifully put. And I, I do the same thing. I won't check my aura ring until after my morning skate and uh, training session because in my mind unless I'm really starting to feel like if I feel if I wake up and I'm like oh man I feel like I got hit by a brick like I just don't have it I'll check it and then I will uh, tailor my training a little bit you know okay maybe if I had planned extra sprints or whatever I'll just knock those you know off no one will know I'll come back like a monster tomorrow but I know that this just isn't going to serve me any longer but otherwise my goal is to avoid uh any change in my daily routine and, and more so just honing in on my focus outside the ring to manage whatever I can and, and doing the same thing. I don't want to have, you know, false negative where I actually feel pretty good, but now it's in my head that, you know, for whatever reason, the, the you know, ring says um, I don't have it. So I totally feel it. One of the things I did uh, recently that I really liked is the Uller. I got this uh, Uller mat. Have you heard of this? 
No, I haven't. What's this? So I always run a little warm, you know, uh, and I, I think that eating earlier in the day, my final meal has actually helped that too keep me uh, cool. But what I got is this Uller and it's like, a, I mean, gosh, I don't even feel it underneath my bed. I just got a half because my wife normally runs cold, mm. but it runs cold water underneath your sheet. Oh, no way. It's this little, it's, it's like, it's, I don't know, it's maybe this big by this well, you're, we're not in the same room. We can't see this, but <laughs> it's like a, maybe a foot by, you know, it looks like it's, you know, maybe 10 inches tall, this little rectangle. And it's got this button where you can put it on low and it'll run as low as like in the fifties. Uh, like if I run it for an hour before I get in bed, like I'm actually afraid of my side of the bed because it is frigid <laughs> and it, it just keeps me colder, longer late into the night. And particularly in the summer, you know, I live on the third floor in Chicago, like I said, you know, it can get warm and, and that kind of thing. And, you know, sleeping with a partner and sometimes our, our dog is, wants to crash the party. And um, the Uller has helped keep me cold uh, later into the night. I found it, I think, on um, Greenfield podcast or Tim Ferriss was using it. And I've, I've sworn by it. So I'm a little upset because now that my wife's pregnant, she's going through, you know, whatever she's going through hormonally. And she's like, I'm mm -hmm. actually running a little warm now. And I'm like, she well, needs one. I could have, I could have gotten the full bed one. She told me no three months ago, so I'll probably be buying the full here pretty soon. Yeah, that, that makes sense. That might be something you, you you can look into because especially for any athletes that run warm, and you know it is like you work out late, your body mm -hmm. temperature is just up. Yeah. Um. So it kind of helps me uh, get to sleep and stay asleep. I, I think it's been a pretty good tool. Yeah, and if you can't get those temperatures cool enough like you definitely will not enter REM sleep so that's super important to have some sort of tool and like I know they're doing like chili blankets and stuff like that now too that's so it. it's a chili pad it's the chili okay. pad it's by the I have the Uller which is supposed to um I got it on a schedule where it's supposed to warm you and bring you out of REM oh. for whatever reason it works like 50% of the time it'll warm and wake me up and then I don't know if it like didn't pick up on daylight savings or something, but like today it didn't do it. So I don't know if I got to recalibrate or whatever, but uh, let sure. it know what time it is. I'm sure. I'm sure there are the answers like dead in the middle of the manual that I'm missing, but yeah. Um, yeah. yeah another huge really one. Keep it on cold, but it's, yeah. it's supposed to have that technology, which is pretty cool. Right. Yeah. It's pretty smart. And like, I mean, they're coming out with, um, well, what's another huge thing is like fostering that cortisol awakening response. So if you wake up with your alarm clock, I mean, that's going to startle you awake. But if you kind of get like bright light first thing in the morning and like get your feet on the ground and start moving, that's everything to like really foster this wake up time. Um, but like here in Nova Scotia, like the past week, I would get up and it's pitch dark and I come home and it's pitch dark. So there's like no light. Oh. And I work in an office with like no windows. So I would never see light. Um, and you can really tell the effect on your mood and the effect, like how you feel in the morning. I was like dragging my butt out of bed last week and then we got the time change. So it'll be hopefully a little bit better, but like, there's so many like cool techniques and tricks that like there's lights that you can buy the red light therapy and stuff like that. Like, have you heard of Juve? Yeah. Do you have one of those? Cause I've been looking at them and considering it. So the price point of those is astronomical in my books for like what it is. And my girlfriend was doing like a lot of research on stuff and she just started like a little company called Wave. So she outsourced the exact same product essentially. And she's been selling that now. So it's identical to Juve, but cheaper. you got to connect us because uh, yeah. that's what everything. Well, and I get it. Like all of these premium products for the most part. Mm -hmm you know, uh, like my mom and dad who drink, you know, Folgers coffee, not the organic kind. They're, they're, they're not interested in, 
you know, their body temperature while they're sleeping. God bless. I love my parents. It's just not their thing. Yeah. Um, they're not going to buy a Jew. So I, I get it that they, you know, price to a certain, I guess, category of the market that'll pay likely whatever. Mm-hmm. But it, I mean, it also means it invites more competitors in the marketplace. So you got to connect me and your friend because I'm, I've been on the fence and just doing the same thing. It's like, do I really need to spend three or four or whatever grand on another, on another thing? Yeah. You know, like, yeah. I got all the toys. Yeah, I hear you. And that's what I thought about that one. Like, I definitely read the research and I was like, yeah, this is really interesting, especially if it kind of does what it says it's going to do. But just looking at that price tag for like a sheet of lights is like too much for me. And like, I'm interested in stuff and I, I love biohacking and stuff like that too. So yeah, I'll definitely hook you up with her because she thought the exact same thing. She's really into biohacking and she was just like, this makes no sense. Like you can get these same manufacturers in China to make the exact same thing um, with the same like, you know, wavelengths of light and stuff like that for so much cheaper. So Juve, you have some competition now if you're listening. Well, and and part of the only other reason was I do understand is the light is sensitive to which parts of your body that it's particularly hitting, right? Mm-hmm. So all of the Juve, uh, and maybe we're giving them too much free marketing, but um, in all of the red light therapy, I've understood like as a male, you want to ideally be in front of it naked. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so and you'd probably want then the full body, you'd probably want a panel behind you and in front of you. So for me, I'm just trying to think of, you know, where my morning routine I can make that happen. And it, you know, it goes like it's just a priority. You can get up at any time if you go to bed early enough. Right. You can get your nine hours any way you, you skin it, but it's uh it's gotta work in the family dynamic. But I've definitely wanted one, especially even you know, for my wife, who was about to get pregnant, she had a friend that they did have a red light therapy. I, I don't think it was June. I think it was like platinum LED or something. And she had said like energy levels wise, post-pregnancy was huge. And I, so what I hear there is, okay, she just went through like some superhuman thing that is the miracle of giving birth. God bless her. Like God bless all moms out there. Um, and her body is totally, you know, depleted from the birth process. You know, now she's, uh, you know, breastfeeding, which is a, a, another stressor that I have no clue about, but I imagine it, you know, takes something out of the body um, just in terms of energy level. And she said, like, my energy levels, given this red light therapy has been phenomenally better. So That's I'm like, awesome. okay, there's a superhuman doing superhuman things, explaining to me, I know the, uh, the results that you know the, the studies and things like that but i also like the anecdotal stuff i want to know people that have tried it and, and sworn by it yeah definitely and like friend the, i love that that's that fires me up that's yeah awesome. yeah i'll send you her information she'll be stoked that you're on board too um i was talking to the some of the guys at the ufc and, and the performance institute in vegas there and they have these huge like infrared beds and he's like well i just don't know what to do with them and i was just like oh there's so much you can do with these athletes with this and they're just sitting there like ten thousand dollar beds for like they weren't even using them and i'm like man yeah definitely look into this research you can use it for recovery and all that sort of stuff too and a lot of those guys are trying to not put muscle mass on and same with like some of the higher level athletes like how do we mitigate training with you know body composition and stuff like that so yeah i think the research is there it's just a matter of getting the right system for you hey yeah, I'm I'm ready to get one and, and I want one, you know, badly. It's just the right system, right price point. And um, really for me, it's also just about 
there's opportunity costs, right? Like ideally I'd love to buy all the toys, uh, mm -hmm. but I want the best one at the right time for what I think I can actually fit realistically into, you know, my routine. Um, like there was one, uh, for example, the Livo 2, which is super cool. Have you heard of this? Nope. It's like, Maybe uh, I have. what is it? It, it hooks up with an oxygen mask and there's like two uh, bags in front of you. It looks like one bag, but there's like a crease. So the top half of this little bag, and it's just like a plastic bag that's maybe, you know, I don't know, three feet wide by four feet high. And uh, it's filled with oxygen. So the top half is filled with like 90%. And I could be getting the numbers wrong, but it's like 90% saturation rate of oxygen, like a, a, a purity that uh, you would really only get in like a hyperbaric chamber. Mm -hmm. And then the bottom half, is like uh, 14%. So similar to whatever the altitude is that you're, they're trying to train at to get a particular, um, you know, VO2 sort of response. And you're on this, a bike or really any cardio machine and you've got this switch. It's good oxygen, depleted oxygen, and they have these different protocols, right? Uh, that, that comes out of, so you have the bag, you have a, a tube that comes out of the bag, a, a tube that comes out of the second bag, because they're different streams. They both hook into your mask. You've got the switch, and you've got like your oxygen compressor, like as if, you know, like my grandma uh, had COPD, so she always carried a tank of oxygen around. Her, so you need to have something similar to that. Yeah. Um, super cool, but I can't travel with like a bike and an oxygen compressor all the time and a big right. bag. So something I consider, you know, for my gym at home or, or in the off season, but you know, again, a couple thousand bucks, whatever it was, I think it was, you know, 4,100 or, or whatever the guy was brought to me at the time. And super cool. I want it. Not yet. Maybe next, maybe next deal. Maybe after yeah. my, you know, UFA after this year. So we'll see. Once the baby's born, you might need uh, something else to keep you going or something. Well, and it's that, right? Like, I, I, I love my career and I'm all about investing everything I can back into it. Um, you know, but I got to buy a crib and <laughs> all, this stuff all the baby it. stuff. Yeah. All the baby stuff. So, and I want my baby to eat organic and supplement this and have that. So, you know, trying to uh, come at this from an abundance mindset and, and frankly, just learn how to be a person of greater value that it'll attract more income and, and, and be able to be a source of, I don't know, whatever value. Uh, information. Or, you know, in the form of hockey. Yeah. Information, <laughs> education um all that trying to make more money frankly so definitely what are you hoping for the podcast what am i hoping for the podcast yeah i mean really there's three groups of people that i do it for i, I love it myself so i do it for mm -hmm. myself i'll call it for um i just love talking to people and and, and learning and, and having you enter a flow state when you have an hour-long conversation you just don't get at a restaurant you know the waiter waitress comes up and whatever but really three groups of people i think if i can influence and give information and and story to empower young players uh you know boy or girl really as young as they'll listen as it might be a little dense for an eight-year-old uh, but i've had eight-year-olds listen all the way up to I, I think i have great influence with the 14 to 18 year old i think that's a particular uh, maturity point where these kids are really trying to you know uh, they're, they're doing the goal setting. Things are starting to really happen for them in terms of these long-term goals, Division One, you know, the Q, the O, the Dub. They want to play in these leagues. Uh, that's one group. Second is the parents. I think if I could provide value for uh, athletic parents out there, I think there's a lot of bad information. There's a lot of parents um, 
you know, that, that, that are interested in a current pro athlete's help. And I'm willing and able and, and happy to provide that. And I, I do it on the podcast for sure, but I answer a ton of DMs on Instagram and things like that. Any parent that reaches out to me and has a question about, you know, uh, little Johnny's, I, I love talking about anything from skate size and profile, to, you know, for what they should buy to the, for their kid to, uh, you know, things that I wish I had done at an earlier age. I think that's always a great question. Uh, and the final one is really 20 somethings trying to do something. I think that I'm 26 years old. Uh, I have always been on the ambitious side. Um, I've always had a good deal of self-confidence where I believe that I can lead and, and make a difference in the world, even if whatever that means, I don't care what the community size is. You know, for me, it's as small as it is right now. And I hope it's, you know, Tim Ferriss big. I hope it's Joe Rogan big someday. Uh, and I'm, I'm working on it, but I, I want to be a source of inspiration to you know, 20 somethings trying to do something. Kids who reject, you know, their drinking habits, they pulled out of college. I mean, I know you deal with these. I've, I've gotten multiple uh, phone calls from close friends that say, hey, I've, I'm working an office job and I don't know what a path to health looks like. Uh, I'm drinking a lot. Uh, my weight's out of control. And I'll say, I'm not a medical professional. I'm not. Uh, but these are the, some of the steps that I took and these are the people that I reached out to. And this is where I'm at in terms of what, what's worked and what hasn't. Uh, so those three groups of people, I think, fire me up for the podcast. Yeah, I love that so much. And I think like, you know, similar headspace here. I think a lot of things happen behind closed doors with high level athletes, you know, and we don't get to see the struggle. We don't get to see how hard you worked. Like we know you're there and in the show and you're doing a great job. But like, you know, what did it take to get there? How do you stay in it? And I think this is, you know, being more transparent with these things and opening up these stories is absolutely massive to educate the youth that are coming through. And as you said, like, there's a lot of people struggling out there and especially like post pandemic and stuff. Like, how do I get my act together? How do I build business? How do I like keep driving towards something good? Right. Well, I think back to, you know, my career, I, I have reached what I would consider the pinnacle. I have reached uh, my goal and my dream of playing the national hockey league, but it doesn't mean that, it's been a dream playing in it every day. Like had a lot of tough days. I've had, you know, multiple surgeries that, you know, frankly broke my heart. They came at bad times. Like you know, we know what timing and leverage can be in pro sports. They came at bad times. Um, I know even for example, this might be in, in your sweet spot, like how difficult the decision-making process was around junior versus college and how, that ate me alive and just the pressure I felt at a young age, like multiple, multiple weeks of just two hours of sleep, debating which one was best for my career. You know, I, I would be, uh, I was a you know fifth round back pick by the Washington Capitals and they'd be at my OHL game and I'd pass a puck to, to Connor McDavid with the Erie Otters. He'd go down and bury it. And gosh, just the, the self-resentment, the feeling that my career was over, my life was over. I, I want to... I think smart people learn from their mistakes. And I think really smart people learn from other people's mistakes. And I've made some mistakes. And if I can lend those stories to people uh, and, and the success stories, for sure, I think we learn a lot from success too. And, and we're not always, you know, stacking the good the way we stack the bad in our lives. Um, but if I can, uh, I was a YouTube kid. Everything I did, you know, I, I could find on YouTube. If there was a player I could see, if there's a player I could watch, I would. Any of the personal information that I, I would consume, I would. I mean, now we live in the social media world. The, mm -hmm. the window into each athlete's life 
is as big as they want to make it. So, you know, I, I tend to be pretty open. I still have some private aspects of my life, but for the most part, uh, I'm here to serve. And then I think that's the last part of it. Hockey is constant and pro sport. You have to be selfish to an extent. You are constantly thinking, what's in it for me? How can I get better? Uh, this dinner's running a little long. I need to get home and get to bed. And it's very selfish on the family dynamic, mm-hmm. um, which is okay. It, it frankly, for us, pays the bills and, and is our way of life. And it's my dream. So my wife is on board. Um, but I wanted to serve others and, and on social media that the chief access point to be able to do that. Yeah. And so much great information I've, I've seen so far that you're putting out. I was listening to the podcast you did with uh, your wife and you were kind of saying, um, I, I forget how you phased it, but like you want the podcast to be so good to the point where you ask Gary V and like, it's a go for sure. Yes. Kind of. And I think that that's pretty cool. Cause like when I asked you, I was kind of thinking the same thing, not that mine's legit enough to like ask, you know, elite level players and stuff like that but it's just so interesting the headspace that we get into to say like if this then that's the time and stuff like that so I mean like I'm super encouraging of what you're doing and I think it's so powerful for you know kids to have an outlet to listen to and and parents too like I love that you brought up that point because um you know parents get a bad rap sometimes they're doing a lot of work for these kids and you always want the best for them but like how much is too much to push or what is not enough you know and I have that conversation a lot what's your headspace around that Oh gosh, we're to push and we're not to. I think the kid uh, really will show their cards. I think it's really important to be in tune with the player. Um, I'm torn because I was a player that, you know, my dad did push me. He was very intense. He was a hockey dreamer. But there was conversations around why. And I think those conversations laid the framework where I gave him permission and frankly I I think it was his way of asking for permission to push me Mm -hmm. I was a serious kid I was kind of an old soul but we just have the he would have the talk Connor triple a hockey I know you're young but it's ten thousand dollars a year to play in this town so flat out we need to be clear on what our intent is if you want to have fun and get a sweat and learn how to be a teammate we can do that at the double A level where it's one tenth the cost. Mm-hmm. What level of, of all in are we, are we going all in? Are we trying to have some fun? Cause I still think we can have fun being all in. And I, I frankly was the kid. I, I have fun working hard. Mm-hmm. I have fun to this day going to the gym and seeing, I can't wait. We get these emails on our phone. Like I'm training the devils right now and it'll be our training for the day. I can't wait to get it. See what we're doing. I just, you know, what, okay, what, what program are we doing now? What, what are the sets and wraps? What's our cater? What's the focus? Um, so I think you got to read off the kid. What I do know is I think a lot of times the conversation you talk is play or quit. I think sometimes a good break goes a long way Yep. for parents and, and players. Um, if there's anything I could – like if I was orchestrating and say I were to coach a youth team tomorrow or I would have my own child, uh, what I would love to do in sport is in order to remove myself from having to push the athlete, ideally I would love to have a culture of kids where 
it was no longer a conversation of like, you need to go into the basement and shoot pucks. It was like, Hey, uh, Johnny's coming over and we're going to shoot pucks in the basement. Cause that's what we do for fun mm-hmm. and create a culture where practice is fun. And mm-hmm. I did have ways of doing that. Like, for example, uh, one of my favorite ways of training when I was growing up was I would stick candle to a rhythm. So I'd stick candle in my room, but I would play music. So whatever the beat was, like I would, I would try and do like a head fake on the beat uh, and, and just have different ways of playing with it. Um, what songs were you listening to? Kids, heavy rap stuff, <laughs> you know, maybe shouldn't sing along to, you know, old school, like 50 Cent, um, you know, Jay-Z stuff like that. Uh, Eminem, I loved Eminem. I like the intense stuff. It'd be like 10 30 at night, I'd be blasting my music. My mom would tell me to go to bed. My dad would be telling her to leave me alone. Yeah, let him um, keep going. Let him keep going. So I don't know. I was pushed. I loved it. Uh, but I think that if we can discuss the power of process and, and create some distance around the result, I think that's good for kids. I think the more we can gamify it and keep it fun, like we're all subject to incentives, right? Why are we all on our phones? because our brains lighten up it's that's the fact like there's not mm-hmm. a phone problem like there's we, we've they've learned more about our brains than, than we've learned about ourselves and so how can we get back to gamifying things and and making so that it's we, we try to teach kids that we have to work hard but oftentimes you'll find if the kid wants to win whatever the incentive is whatever the game is they'll work hard and they won't call it that they'll call it doing their best or they're they're trying or whatever Mm-hmm. call it hard work um that's something i actually spent a lot of time thinking about i'm not super proud of how long the answer is yet but i'm working on it yeah no that sounds good and it's such a nice headspace for parents to hear here too like i love the way that your dad broke that down and my parents were really similar like they were reminiscing this weekend and they were saying how you know there's this rink out in new brunswick and it had like a tractor for the zamboni and stuff like that and their date night would be like you know, having a glass of wine and like a picnic in the car while I practice at like 830 at night. And like, I'm so appreciative of all of that. But it was always those questions too. like, do, are we doing this for any sort of reason? Like, do you want to keep going with this sport or um, and I think that's huge for parents just like pushing for, you know, greatness versus like, what does your kid actually want? You know, I do. And, and what my dad was really doing when I look back on it was he was making sure that I fit into the family life. It wasn't, we're going to arrange our entire family's life around your career. Right. Like he knew financially what was coming in and, and what he could stomach and, and things that we could omit from our you know, spending habits and things like that. But it was a real conversation. It was kind of, we have things this family needs to do. We need to eat. We need to have a home. We need to, you know, um, have some hobbies and, I think he just, he blessed me with responsibility. Mm-hmm. There was conversations around responsibility and effort uh, and, and, you know, competitiveness from a young age that I took a liking to, you know, uh, for example, my youngest brother, you know, just a little bit more of a late bloomer. I love him to death, but he just wasn't necessarily as intense or as serious as I was at a young age. And the conversation was tailored a little differently for, mm-hmm. for someone like him. So I think, uh, as long as the, 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 child, the child's athletic can fit into the family healthily, I think it's a good sign you're on the right track. 
Yeah, I think that's extremely important too. And, you know, coming into like baby season, a lot of friends of mine are having kids too. And that's kind of the main advice. And I can't even give advice because I don't have children, but like that seems to be the headspace that most people are going along with. Like, don't let the baby run your life, kind of adapt, let the baby kind of adapt to your life a little bit too, right? Totally, totally. And I think, uh, oh, that's the approach we're going to do. We're going to try for, I mm-hmm. think, um, try to make sure you know mom's able to live a happy and fulfilling life or maybe peaceful better than better worth than happy you know make sure that i can you know still achieve and go after some of the things that i want to do and, and experience in our life and you know i know we both know once this child once we meet our child we'll want to give them or her some of the gender uh the world so we'll see we'll see yeah. That's so exciting, man. Um, one last piece I wanted to talk to you about was like the, your passion kind of for mental health and, you know, you do your mental health Mondays and stuff like that, which I think is extremely important and really good to, you know, transcend to people that, you know, you have to take time for yourself. And, and I think like self-care is getting like a bit of a, I don't know, I don't know what the word is to describe it, but like, it's not really taking baths, you know, or it's not really like bath bombs and stuff like that or going to a spa. So what is your kind of, thoughts around mental health and and like what do you do to take care of yourself mental health mental fitness mental resiliency certain words speak to different people um what i figured out was certain people are in a mood for their entire life and they call it part of their personality and what I realized was, for example, during streaks of poor play, and I did have streaks of poor play. Uh, I wasn't in a bad mood. It was starting to integrate into who I was. I was now an irritable person. I was now short with others. And I think that I was nervous spending too much time in any one unwanted space. And I feel like I was starting to come to terms with what a life ruled by result or ruled by uh, the emotional roller coaster that can be pro sport uh, was not one that I wanted for myself. So I realized that there are things that can serve my best interest and my best performance and going game to game, like a miserable mope wasn't it, you know? So, uh, and just little examples, for example, to me, our mental health, We've all seen the Beats commercials, the, the pregame pump-up routine. There's pump-up music in the locker room. No one teaches you the cool-down routine. No one teaches you the breath work, you know, to get parasympathetic before you eat. Well, guess what? The post-game routine is just tomorrow's pregame routine. Mm-hmm. You know, so for me, my post-game routine is part of my mental health regimen. Um, having some of that variety we discussed. Uh, in my life, whether that's podcasting or learning out on nutrition or reading a book that's maybe not hockey related. It helps me not get so wrapped up in the identity that is being a hockey player, because when it's not going well, then you just don't feel good about yourself. And that's not uh, a momentum building place to to live from. Um, And again, for me, mental health is not Epsom salt baths and like the greatest thing for my mental health is to go and have a great practice. Let's go do something uh, productive oftentimes motion for me oftentimes be meditation i think meditation has great a great place in my life i try to do it every day i try to do it twice a day but that's really asking um 
you know, but for me, like, why isn't nailing a great podcast, going to the gym, training, and then having a great practice and uh, a great recovery meal thereafter, like, that is supporting my mental health. Um, so for me, I just wanted to be, frankly, more in control, no matter how the uncontrollables went in my life. Yeah, that makes complete sense. And I think, you know, that's really a great message too to to convey that it doesn't have to be like if you go out and nail your job for the day, then you know, that's a win too. And I think we oftentimes really forget to celebrate those daily wins. And I mean, I don't know if this is true or not. It just seems to be like a theme with a lot of people coming in that the less you celebrate your accomplishments, the more like scared you are to die, kind of, or have like a lot of anxieties around death or cancer or like chronic illness because you know, it's, it's more of a fear of a life unlived, not really the fear of dying. Right. Yeah. And I think I, I also became horrified of the, like, you know how it is. My, my, my brain's always doing threat detection. Like am mm-hmm. I being judged in the locker room, but I make a mistake. There's a coach. Not... And I realized that like some of the machinery upstairs is, is outdated and frankly, you know, pretty reptilian. <laughs> I'm like, mm-hmm. okay, I know the, the negative bias that this brain can offer, not super interested in living that way mm-hmm. i'm really going to try and integrate an ability to notice the good in my life i'm really going to try to integrate uh a sense of gratitude you know for everything that is the process and i've i've felt it i've been able to i've been in the rink on the bench after a good sh- let's go with a bad shift and i felt the heat I have felt hot. I have had the tunnel vision. I have had the concern. Oh my God, is that the turnover that gets me traded? Like I've had those thoughts. Mm-hmm. Or I've had the thoughts where it was a bad shift. I'm not having a bad game. I had a bad shift. Show me the player that hasn't had a bad shift in their career. Mm-hmm. I've made other mistakes. I'll be fine. You know, and if they end up wanting to move, move me from it, from that play, I'll be fine there too. And, and that coolness in the heat of the moment, the ability to see the ride instead of riding it all the time, like, oh, cool, there's the ups and downs of your career. Instead of just being so infatuated with them mm-hmm. uh, that you really can't tell the difference between reality and emotion, mm-hmm. um, the work works. And in my experience, when it comes to mental health, there's you know different people on the spectrum, but really there are, in my mind, two types of people. There are people who are doing the work to improve their life, particularly on the on their mental spiritual side, and there's those people who don't realize there's work to be done. Mm-hmm. Um, and I definitely am proud to be a part of the first group. Yeah, that's amazing. I love how you put that. And I think, you know, we can get spiraled pretty quick on those negative thoughts. And most people say, well, how do I change this? Like, how do I do anything about it? And I'm like, well, just as long as you've probably thought negatively, it's going to take you, you know, at least that long to change the neuroscience and the neuroplasticity to make positive thoughts, you know, coming out of that. But like, why not start tomorrow? You know, it's a great day. And of course, you know, there's going to be the negatives that creep up pretty quickly, but it's like catching them and flipping that script as much as possible. And then slowly but surely you start to notice the positives come out a little bit more, or maybe it ends on a positive or the positive comes first eventually, right? Yeah. Rich Kloon talks a little bit about this. We have a podcast together and he's just a beast and, and, one of my favorite teammates of all time and just an alpha male leader in every sense of the word. And, you know, when he shared a story about, um, you know, when he was in uh, rehab, 
you know, they would tell you like your addictions over in the corner doing push-ups waiting for you. And to be frank, I, I've had an anxiety disorder since I was a kid. Uh, I've had a neurological tick since I was four. Like to get personal, I used to, uh, I get so worked up, not just during hockey. I would take like Illinois State Achievement Test. They're called the ISAT. And I would chew my shirt. And a lot of kids, you'll see them, they'll throw on their shirt, you know, when they get nervous. My shirt would be chewed like down to my belly button. I'd look down at the test and be like, what happened? What, what just happened? Yeah. What did I do? I used to like kind of like shake my head a little bit. My head, my helmet would rattle around until I had a bald spot. It was like 12 years old. And you would have thought that, you know, the, I would get nervous every time the coach would hit my head because it, it would like hurt that bald spot that was like chased bald. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I guess I just realized how prone I can be to a life of nervousness, negativity, of anxiety. And it's, I just, it's not what I want. It's not what I want mm-hmm. for me. It's not what you know, my family deserves. It's not what my team deserves. Uh, and not that those are bad things. People are on, you know, different, again, there's a spectrum and they're at different points in this process. Just for me, I wanted to reject some of the downsides of my personality. Some of my blessings, you know, it's the same side of the sword, right? Um, some of my greatest assets as a person can present themselves as liabilities if unchecked. And so I wanted to be a person who champions this and, and really encourage others. I think we really can be, how sad would that be to be in a bad mood of, you know, like we said, you know, death anxiety, my whole life. Mm-hmm. Uh, Connor Carrick, he, he was a good athlete, but man, was he better to be around. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah, that's brutal. Think, uh, that's brutal. Yeah. And it's just not something that I, I wanted for myself. Because there were times, definitely times where I was bitter about myself, uh, about my play. And, and frankly, I just call it competitiveness. I'm just, I, it's just because I want to win. Mm-hmm. And it's like, well, no, you can have emotional stability and, and use some of the tools at hand and still want to win. Mm-hmm. And in fact, you'll probably have more energy to do it because you'll have less chronic stress and all these things that, you know, plague the health, uh, you know, plague the body. Yeah, for sure. And I think like, you know, just you opening up about that stuff, like there's another kid out there doing the exact same thing right now. And hopefully maybe we'll like come across this to listen to say like, hey, like, I didn't know this was changeable. You know, I didn't I thought this was inherent in me that um, this is how it's going to stay. Right. And And on a daily basis, like, I think like. Uh, everyone well before masks everyone used to cry in my office and now with masks I feel like there's a disconnect between me and the person sitting in front of me but like masks are healthy so we'll keep it I guess um but that sort of piece of things of knowing that these things are not inherent in you and like you can change them and if you can just keep working towards it or even you know become mindful of it and then start these practices that are so much more beneficial and so much more like performance oriented as well Great. And all, we don't need, you know, more biohacking information. We don't need more statistical analysis. For the most part, all someone needs to make a positive change in their life is proof that it can be done. A story mm-hmm. that someone else did it, someone that they relate to, and they're off the races. Yeah. And like the biggest ones that I was here, like GI stuff before a game, like guys going in and throwing up. And like I heard a young goalie the other day, like, what was it? Pee Wee AAA, I think. And like before every game, he would just puke his guts up. And I'm like, well, that's, 
not a great start to like getting on the ice, but it's just nerves, right? And whatever horrible things he's telling himself before the game. And I work with a lot of female athletes and like the script that runs through their head is terrifying, you know? So yeah, just encouraging them. I, and and for any of your listeners that want to reach out to me and, and if they connect with something that I said here today, like mm-hmm. feel free to send them my way and, and I'll, you know, do my best to take care of them. But I've, I've been that person where I've listened to myself talk at some point and thought, if anybody talked to me this way, I'd sucker punch him in the mm-hmm. mouth. It takes work. Yeah. And I, I don't really know any other uh, piece of advice. And at a bare minimum, if you don't feel yet that the work is working, then you can at least be proud that you're doing it. Because uh, it will eventually. Yeah. And it's, it's going to take a lot of time. Definitely, man. Well, I appreciate your time so much. I'm sure your dinner's ready at this point, but I can probably pick your brain all night. But I really appreciate your time. Anytime. I really appreciate, uh, this was awesome. I really appreciate uh, talking to you. And I missed the, the Halifax accent, actually. It reminded me of my <laughs> close friend, Liam O'Brien, who have to, I'll have to introduce you to. He's a legend. So um, this was awesome to connect, and I'm glad we were able to. Yeah, definitely. And uh, next time you're in Halifax, you'll definitely have to come by the clinic and check everything For out. Sure. For yeah, sure. that'd I be wicked. I up there, so it's going to happen. Yeah, we'll, we'll show you some biohacking stuff we have there, too. Love it's, it. it's fun, for sure. It. Yeah. Well, um, where can people reach you at? I'm at, uh, at Connor Carrick, Instagram and Twitter. I'm more active on uh, Instagram than I am on Twitter. And then the Curious Competitor podcast, I release. I'm on a uh, one-week break right now trying to develop a website and do some other cities. Uh, and it's election week, so I don't think anyone's consuming outside <laughs> media in the United States right now. Um, but we'll be back next week, and uh, you can find me there. Awesome, man. Well, good luck with the baby. Good luck with the upcoming season and definitely stay in touch, man. This was awesome. Anytime. Thanks.